This is my right A right given by God To live a free life To live in freedom Talking about Well, good evening. Welcome back. We are in the midst of a new series entitled Freedom. The series is through the book of Galatians. And as we're walking through the book of Galatians, what we are doing is taking a bold stand against the tyranny of religion to make us fight for the gospel of grace and freedom. Paul says at the very end of um, Galatians, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then. So go ahead, stand firm, and do not, listen to this, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Because you see, freedom is something you always have to fight for. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. You have to fight for freedom. Even within the church, the church is that organism of people gathered together that worship and follow Jesus, isn't it? And even within that organism, tell me if I'm wrong, you have to fight for freedom. Because within that organism, there are always people who are afraid of freedom. They're afraid of the gospel. They're afraid of the good news. They want to create, as Paul called it in last week's message, a different gospel. A gospel that's really no gospel at all. It's not good news. It's a gospel of slavery. It's a Jesus plus something kind of a gospel. You see, what the book of Galatians is all about is the apostle Paul planted some churches in Galatia, and then he left to go plant more churches in Philippi and Colossae and Ephesus. And while he was gone, these other Christians came into his church plants and started teaching what he called a different gospel, something different. And what they were saying is, Paul didn't tell you the whole story. Paul only told you a little piece of the story. He didn't tell you the whole thing. He, he preached kind of this easy believism type stuff where all you got to do is believe in Jesus and everything's going to work out for you. But what he didn't tell you is that you also have to become a Jew. Yes, Jesus died for your sins, but you have to become a Jew. They were called Judaizers. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow the Jewish traditions and the Jewish diets and the Jewish laws. So Paul isn't telling you the whole story. But the gospel, the good news that we're fighting for and that Paul's fighting for is that the gospel is freedom. Amen? The gospel sounds like this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus does everything, we do nothing, and then we get everything in return. The Judaizers say, Jesus, he dies for your sins, but then you got to kind of meet him halfway by denying yourself and circumcising yourself and, and following all these rules. And so Paul has to fight for freedom. And someone give me a what, what, if we still have to do that in the church today. <laughs> we have to fight for freedom. And so we learned last week that we're fighting for freedom, the freedom of the free grace gospel of Jesus Christ. It's grace alone, faith alone, through Christ alone. And that freedom gets, sets us free from religion. It sets us free from our sin. And today we're going to learn a new freedom. It sets us free from the disease to please. You ever heard that before? The disease to please, the need to please. Anyone here have that disease? We do. I, I'm, I would venture to say most all of us 
have this disease to please. We, we're, we're constantly struggling and striving to please others, aren't we? Think about this. You can never have freedom if you're enslaved to everyone else in the world. Isn't it true? If you're always trying to please others, then you'll never have freedom. The only way you'll have true and real freedom is if you've been set free from that need, from that slavery of trying to please everyone else. <laughs> you'll never have true joy. You'll never have true confidence. You'll never have true fulfillment in life. You can't live life to the fullest, as Jesus says, if you aren't set free from this need to please. So tonight, I'm going to set you free. You want to get set free from that? Yeah. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm going to set you free from the need to please everyone in your life. Who wants that? Here's what's interesting about the need to please. You need to get set free from the need to please. It's going to be good. All right, we're going to camp out mostly at Galatians chapter 1. And Paul says this in verse 10. I'm just going to jump right in, okay? He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? There it is. Do I need the approval of man? Am I trying to please man? He goes on. Or am I trying to please man? Question mark. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, well, we see what Paul's saying here. Am I trying to please man or God? But it might be helpful for us to understand the context of what, where Paul is saying what he's saying. It's true, right? We have, to, we have to know the context. So we went through verses 1 through 9 last week. And let me just remind you what Paul said in verse 9, the, the verse just before verse 10. 9 comes before 10. And so in verse 9, he said something. Let's see what he says in verse 9. He says, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one in which you received by me, you know, preached from me, then let him be accursed, a.k.a. he can be damned, a.k.a. go to hell. So Paul's saying if anyone preaches a different gospel, he can go double H hockey sticks, right? Or H double whatever. He can go down there. This is bold talk from Paul. This is literally what he says. If anyone preaches a different gospel, he can be damned. Now Paul says this. For, which means so, or think about this. Am I seeking man's approval? Does it sound like by the way that I'm talking that I care about what people think of me? Does it? He just said, if you preach something, anything, anything, Jesus plus anything gospel, you can go to you know where. Now, does it sound like I care about you? Does it sound like I care about your feelings? No, Paul says, I'm not seeking the approval of man. I'm only defending the gospel. I'm not here to please. Paul has been set free from the disease to please. Wouldn't you like that? Here's what I think. Bill Cosby says, I don't know what this, the secret to success is, but I know the secret to failure. Try to please everyone. He's always funny. That wasn't funny, though. That was true. <laughs> Another thing I learned is this. There's this 25% rule about the needing to please people. If you walked into a room of 100 people, 25% of them are going to like you from the beginning. They're just those kinds of people. They like everybody. They're going to like you. 25% of them are going to hate you from the beginning. That's just the way they are, too. They're grumpy. They don't like anybody. They don't trust anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Another 25% might like you if dot, 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 right? And then another 25%, they don't even know you're there because they're so self-consumed. They they're not even thinking about you. They're thinking about whether anyone likes them. So is, am I right? So 25% of all the people in the world are going to like you automatically. So forget about them. 
And what we do is we spend all of our time trying to worry about getting these people, these 25% who are never going to like us, and then these other 25% who are only going to like us if we measure up, and then there's another 25% who don't even care. They're only worried about whether or not you like them. (laughs) But yet we spend our entire life in this vicious cycle of this disease to please. So I want to begin with the discussion question. And the discussion question is, is, do you think people-pleasing is a disease? Or another way of saying it is, do you think it's plaguing you? Are you enslaved to it? And why? Three minutes. Let's discuss that real quick, and then we'll get back into Paul. We'll get back into the biblical world. Well, my guess is, is that you all agreed that there was... Raise your hand if you would agree that there is a disease of, to please within yourself, within your circle. Good. Some, some of you have. Don't need that. That's great. Good for you. But most of us, I think, we're, we're stuck in that. And the good thing is, is that the gospel sets us free from it. It really does. It should. And if it hasn't, I want to challenge you today to let that gospel set you free. And let me show you some things in Scripture. Paul is going to go on and speak. He says in verse 11 and 12, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from a man, nor was I taught it, but I received it of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we have to ask ourselves is what's the difference between man's gospel and Jesus's gospel? Because he kind of pitted these two together. There's man's gospel. I'm not teaching man's gospel, is what he said. And then there's God's gospel or Jesus's gospel. I'm teaching that one. So what's the difference? Well, here's what man's gospel is. Man's good news. Man's way. Man's way is, let's find out what my goal is. Let me get a goal. Let me get an end game. My end game is, say, there. And then let's me reverse engineer that and come up with steps and processes and, and a system to get to that goal. Is that true? That's what we do. We do it all the time. Here's my goal. Reverse engineer. That's how you get there. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. And you get there. Maybe our goal is heaven. Maybe our goal is I want to be near to God. I want to be close to, I want to get to God. How do I get to God? Don't do this. Don't do that. Start doing this. Start doing that. Boom. I'm there. That's what man does. Man's way is always that way. Man's way sounds like this. You've heard me say this before, I know. Try harder, do better, be gooder. That's man's way. Maybe you've heard this on commercials. Faster, stronger, smarter, better. That's man's way. Get her done. Anyone ever hear that? Come on, man up and get her done. Pull yourself by your own bootstraps. That's the way they said it when I was a baby, I think. My grandparents said it that way. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Here's one. Walt Disney said this. If you can dream it, you can do it. Here's one of my favorite ones. Lowe's slogan, never stop improving. That's the power of the Home Depot. (laughs) This is man's way, isn't it? Everything. You can do it. Jesus can help. (laughs) You can do it. Never stop improving. Try harder. Do better. Be gooder. Strive, strive, strive. And you can reach that goal. It's the American way, in fact. All you got to do is have a little hard work and a little tenacity, and you can accomplish anything you set your pretty little heart to. That's the American way. That's man's gospel. Listen to Jesus' gospel. I'm going to take it out of the book of Ephesians, but I could have gone anywhere in the Bible. Jesus' gospel says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So when you think about it, it sounds like the opposite of man's way, doesn't it? Man's way is you can do it. Believe in yourself. Try harder. God's way, well, it almost sounds like you can't do it. You can't. It's a gift, and it's not earned by your works. 
and no one can boast because you can't do anything. Man's gospel, you can do it. Jesus' gospel, you can't do it. So then Paul goes on to say, well, this is, the, let me just repeat. This is the gospel, amen? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus does everything, you do nothing, and then in return, you get everything. And that's unbelievably ridiculous to us. You see how man would never invent this? Man would always say, you got to do, did you know that in the 50s, they came out with this ingredient called just add water cake mix. Did you know this? They put it on the shelves. All you got to do is add water and you can make a cake. And no one bought it. Honestly, no one bought it. They couldn't figure out why. And then all these scientists and psychologists and philosophers and, and, and movie stars came in and says, we think maybe it's because people want to do something. So they changed the advertising. They changed the, you know, the ingredients in the box. And they said, just add water, milk, and one egg. And they couldn't keep them on the shelves. Because man always wants to add. We don't want it free. We don't want it free. We're doing movies at, in Owensville to invite people to come. We were going to do them free. And then it occurred to me that people don't trust free. You tell them it's a free movie, they're going to not come because they're going to think we're going to trick them, give them the gospel or something, which we are going to do. <laughs> but <laughs> So now we're charging $3, and I think it's going to work. I think it will. I don't know. So Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Man would never invent that. Only God could invent that. Paul goes on. For you have heard of my former life. I like this. You've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. It's funny that Paul says this. He says, you might recall my former life. Paul has a former life. That's what he calls it. It's my, for, it's my old life. Can I just time out for a second and tell you something? When you get saved, you have a former life experience. Isn't, isn't it true? You go from, I once was blind, to, but now I, I can see. Once was lost, but now I'm found. When Jesus comes into your life, boom, you have a, that's my old person. That's my old life. I've got a new, Jeremy, you have a former life, don't you? Jim, you have a former life, don't you? Jesus comes into your heart, that's my former life. I once was blind, but now I see. But Paul's former life is kind of ironic, his former life is not like most of ours. It's not like, I once was blind, and so I chased after dirty women in the bars. Paul's former life is, I once was blind, and so I chased after dirty rags, if you know what I mean. Because Paul knows that the Bible says that our righteous works are like filthy rags. And so Paul's former life was that of pursuing and chasing after righteous works, good deeds. He was a Jew. Isaiah 6, 64 says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts, any good thing that we could even attempt to do, is like filthy rags to God. You can't do anything good. You can't. It's a gift. You can't do anything. And so Paul says, my former life was pursuing after filthiness in righteous deeds. Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee, no less. We make fun of Pharisees. We say Pharisees, you know, they're judgmental. They look down their nose at people. Paul says in Philippians, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the best. If anyone was better than me, I would have beat him. I obeyed every single... Rever Paul reverse engineered holiness. 
He says, how do I get to God? How do I get to be holy? He reverse engineered it, and he followed every step to the T. He even says, that's what he says. He says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Basically, what he's telling them is, look, I did it better than you. I always can say I did it better than you. I was the Jew of Jews. Paul's basically saying this. You want to play the Jesus plus game? You want to play the meet Jesus halfway and, 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 and then you've got to become a Jew and you've got to obey all the laws and you've got to do all this? Well, let me just tell you, I've been there and I've done that. Let me tell you where it got me. It got me nowhere. It got me filthy rags. That's what it got me. There's no Jesus plus. If you do the Jesus plus game, you lose. I lost. Listen, I was so zealous for the things of God that I actually persecuted and destroyed the things of God. That's what reverse engineering your salvation will do to you. You'll end up hurting the thing you're trying. That's why it's, Paul says, I get it now. That's why it's filthy rags. I was so after God that I began to destroy the church. And then was I pleasing God? No, I was <laughs> destroying his church. So it's filthy rags. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? He goes on to say some other things. But when he had set me apart before I was born, and he called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal the son to me in order that I might preach the gospel to the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but instead I went to Arabia. So now he's going to build another argument, and it's a really strange argument indeed. What Paul's saying here is, when I got saved, when I got knocked off my horse and blinded, and Jesus came to me and saved me, and I left Judaism and became a Christian, I didn't go to Jerusalem to apostle school. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't ask Peter or James or John to mentor me. I didn't go there. I went to Arabia. <laughs> and I hid out there for a while, and I just kind of communed with Jesus. If you think about the argument he's using, it's not the kind of argument you and I would use today. I would not stand here and say, look, I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a mentor. <laughs> I've never been discipled. What I'm teaching came from Jesus. <laughs> what? I would never say that. I mean, that's the kind of things that people in Looney Bin say, right? God told me. <laughs> I wouldn't put that on my resume. I didn't go to seminary. I just know the gospel because Jesus talks to me. <laughs> but, Paul can say, but Paul can say that. We can't say that, but Paul can because it's true, isn't it? But do you see in the argument itself, Paul's proving and answering his question, am I seeking the approval of men? No, if I was seeking the approval of men, I'd play man's game. And I'd say, look, Paul, we're, I'm Paul, and me and Peter, we're good friends. <laughs> Peter taught me a lot of stuff, and James agrees with me. Barnabas agrees with me. Everyone agrees with me. See, I got these quotes that I can share for you. <laughs> That's what Paul would do if he was trying to please man. But he's like, I'm not trying to please man. In fact, let me just go all the way out, okay? I never went to see the apostles. <laughs> I didn't, get con I didn't consult the apostles. Listen, I'm not preaching any gospel that someone taught me. I'm preaching the only gospel that Jesus taught me. He told me to tell you this, and so you better listen. That's what he's doing. Interesting argument, isn't it? Different than what we would use. He goes on to say this, and there's something really interesting in here, and I want us to catch it. I, want, I just want to camp out here because I want to go back to that thing that we talked about earlier when I said we're going to get set free from today. Do you remember what it was? Set free from what? the disease to please. So there's something hidden in this verse. I don't know if you caught it. I want, I want to just bring it out. There's something magical there. 
magical word. Let's, let's look at it. In fact, let me just, um, let me just narrow it down for us. Just, just take verse 15. But when he, he's talking about God the Father, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So let me unpack this a little bit because this is a really interesting verse. Paul says, listen, you want to play the do it halfway game? I'm the best at it. I was a Jew. I followed all the rules. I was so zealous for the things of God that I destroyed his church, which I thought was the enemy of God. I destroyed them. I was a murderer. Paul stood there in hearty approval as they stoned Stephen, one of the best preachers in the Bible. And then Paul says this. He says, but when God the Father had set me apart before I was born. Paul says, before I was ever born, God set me apart to one day be a minister of the grace alone, faith alone, gospel of freedom. Think about this. Before I was born, God chose me to be this person, and yet God allowed Paul to become so zealous in Judaism, even allowed Paul to kill Christians. Isn't that, I find that fascinating. Does anyone find that fascinating? And here's what I want to say about that. No one in this room can say, well, God would never save me, or God doesn't ever want someone like me, or God would never use me because my life is messed up. Because Paul says, I killed Christians. I killed my own brothers. You know, he, he, would, he would weep about that, I think. Look, God used me. God saved me. He couldn't save you. No one can say he wouldn't get me. Because here's what's interesting. God seemed to allow me and maybe even orchestrated this life of mine in which I was zealous for the things of God and legalism and right self-righteousness and obeying every single stinking rule in the Bible and then killing Christians because of those stinking rules. And then he saved me. He blinded me so that I can see. Maybe God is moving you through whatever life you've had so that one day you, like Paul, can say, in my former life, I did these things. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Now let me tell you how to have true freedom. Let me tell you how to have true grace in your life. Isn't that cool? But there's more. There's more magic happening in this verse. Do you notice what Paul said? He said that it pleased God. How did Paul get saved? Paul says, I didn't get saved because of my works. I didn't get saved because I was so awesome. I didn't get saved because I was so zealous. In fact, my zealousness was filthy rags. My zealousness hurt and destroyed the church. God didn't save me because I was destroying the church. I got saved because it pleased God to save someone like me. It pleases God to save sinners. I don't know about you, but I love that. It pleases God to use sinners to bring glory to himself. The Bible says it pleased the Father to crush him in Isaiah 53. It pleases God. So here's the thing, I, the magical thing I want us to see. Gospel is the gospel of freedom. And it's so freeing that it not only sets you free from the disease to please others, it sets you free from the disease to please God. I know that sounds strange to you, I'm sad that it does, because you need to hear this. The gospel of grace and freedom sets you free from the need to please others, but it also sets you free from the need to please God. So again, let me just say what I said earlier. I want to set you free tonight. 
I want the, I want the chains to fall off. I want to say, you don't have to please God. You can stop trying to please God. You can stop trying to gain or earn his approval. You can't. Isn't that true? You can't. So why do we, why do we strive? Why do we try? Who told us to do that? You can be set free from the need to please, period. You've already been approved. It pleases him to crush his son for you. That sounds like he's pleased with you, doesn't it? Sounds like he loves you. Sounds like he's adoring you. Sounds like he approves of you. You can't do anything to make him approve of you. It just pleases him to choose you. It pleases him to approve you. Amen. Isn't that magical? I think it's magical. I, I think that some of you right now are thinking, that sounds weird. <laughs> Doesn't the Bible say someone we're supposed to please God? <laughs> Why is it that what we always hear is, don't seek after pleasing men. Instead, please God. Doesn't sound right either, does it? Stop trying to win the approval of people. Instead, struggle really hard to win the approval of God. I don't know about you, but I'd rather try for people's approval. <laughs> it sounds like a deeper kind of slavery, doesn't it? In fact, it sounds very frightening. Hey, you have a hard time getting people to like you? Try making God like you. You have a hard time getting, you have a hard time getting imperfect people to be on your team? Try to get the perfect God to be on your team. You have a hard time tricking people? People who don't even know what you're thinking? You have a hard time fooling them into liking you? Try fooling God who knows exactly what you're thinking. Why do we do that? Who said that? Who said, stop pleasing man and said, try to please God? Do you know what pleases God? He just pleases God to choose you out of grace, out of faith, alone. You can't do anything. You can't please him. You can't make it happen. You can't manipulate God. You can manipulate people. Am I right? You can learn their game, and you can play it, and you can get them to like you, and you can get them to vote for you. But you can never manipulate God. So why has the church put us in slavery all over again to the need to please? I heard one person say this, told this story, a pastor told this story about this girl. She went in for counseling, and the counselor quickly deduced that she's an idol worshiper, and her idol is herself, and she has this need to please. And so she does all these things. You know, she works out, she drives expensive car, she goes out to lunch, she gives big tips. You know, she does everything that she wouldn't normally do because she's worried what other people think of her. The typical story is at work. I probably should bring a brown bag, save my money so I don't go into debt, but I can't because everyone else goes out to eat and I want to be a part of that team. And so, you know, I just do that. And, and this, this desperate need to please, win approval. And so the counselor says, you need to stop fearing man, and you need to fear God. Stop trying to please man, please God. And she says, oh, great, I can do that. You know why she said that? Because she's so used to trying to please someone. I'm going to shift my focus from pleasing people to my focus to pleasing God. So I'm going to try harder and do better and be gooder and be smarter, better, faster, stronger. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to start serving more. I'm going to start giving more. And she's, why is she doing that? Because she has this disease to please. What do you think God feels about it? Here's a question I want us to discuss. I know everything I said sounds strange, but what if it was true? 
what if you really believed that what I said was true? What if you believed it so much that you said right now, I'm going to kill the disease to please. I'm going to stop trying to please people, and I'm going to stop trying to please God. I'm just going to rest in the grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone gospel, and I'm going to live life to the fullest in that way. What if you believed that? Here's the question. How would your life look different if you really just were set free from the disease to please? Let's talk about that for about three minutes. Freedom that you have been set free. So let me just conclude. I want to conclude. I want to set us free again. Because here's what I think. Feel free to raise your hand and hurt my feelings if you want to. I imagine there's some people in here who are thinking this. Well, that sure is an interesting perspective, Mike. But why is it that I've never heard that before? Raise your hand if you're thinking that. That's what breaks my heart. That's what makes me mad. That's what's making Paul mad here. Because we should hear that. Well, that's kind of an interesting perspective, but I've never heard that. What I've always heard is stop trying to please man and please God. And, and, and right now, I'm kind of hearing verses in the Bible. Doesn't the Bible say we should try to please God? Isn't there some verses in there that talk about being pleasing to God? Raise your hand if you're thinking those things. Okay, so let me ask you this question then. How do you please God? You want to ask me a question? I'll just throw it back at you. Let me ask you a question. How do you please God? The Bible gives us some hints. Let, 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 me, let me just give some for you. Uh, the first hint is this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you find a hint? You have to have faith. Okay, so... <laughs> If you, if you don't have faith, you can't please God, so you can scratch everything else off. <laughs> you have to have faith. But faith in what? Faith in your good works? That's what Paul had his faith in, and he, and he quickly tells us no. How about faith in your faith? This is what most Christians do. We have faith in our faith. I, my faith is so strong that it moves me to do these things, and so therefore I have faith in my faith, which moves me to do these things. And that's really what the church has been preaching Uh, They'll say faith alone, but faith's not alone. Your faith will be proved by your works. And so then what we do is reverse reverse engineer it. Look, I've got these works, so therefore I must have the faith. So therefore, see, I have faith in my faith. That's what we do. In fact, we even say things like this. If you believe, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. That's what Jesus said, right? So then we just try to stir up more faith. And so when we fail and we're not showing the fruits of the Spirit and we're not show, proving that we have faith, we just try harder and do better and be gooder to prove that we have faith and then we have faith in our faith again. You see the silliness of this slavery? Maybe I should ask a different question. What is our faith in? No, no, no. Who is our faith in? And here's another hint. Um, a voice came from heaven. Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan River. He came up and a bird fell on him and lighted on him, I should say. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son with you. Everyone knows this. I am well pleased. So who is our faith in? Our faith is in the one who God is pleased with. We have faith in Christ alone because God is pleased with Christ alone. That's why Isaiah says God was pleased to crush him. He is pleased with Christ. How do you, how do you please God? Trust in Christ. That's it. You don't believe me? Let me give you another verse. Uh, one time Jesus was walking around. A big crowd of people was all around. They came up to Jesus and said, a question. What was, must we do? What must we do to be doing the works of God? This is the question you're asking right now. Isn't there some works I need to be doing? Because <laughs> you sound like you're preaching up there, Michael. All you got to do is just believe. <laughs> it sounds pretty easy. And if you're tracking with this, it's not easy. It is not, right now I just tried to set you free from the disease to please God. And maybe for a second there you were free. 
Did you feel it? Raise your hand if you felt it. I did. <gasps> but automatically, it's like, <laughs> you're back down here again. We, we, we can't get away from this, this slavery of I've got to do something. And right now you're asking, tell me what I have to do. And here's some people who ask Jesus, tell us what we have to do. And Jesus answered them, oh, here comes. Okay, good. Give me something to do so I can feel good about myself. I can pat myself on the back. I can know that I'm doing it right. His answer is going to surprise you. Can I just tell you that? It should. Listen to his answers. This is the work of God. You want works? Here, I'll give you a work. That you believe in him who he has sent, which means you believe in me. You believe in the one that God the Father has sent. That's me. <laughs> you want some works? I'll give you some works. Believe in me. That's your works. You want to please God? Can't please God without faith. Who's your faith in? Jesus. Who's Jesus? The one who pleases God. You want some works? Here's your work. Believe in the one who pleases God. Boom, period. That's it. That will change your life. I promise you. You see, the people who are afraid of grace, the people who are afraid of freedom, they're afraid that if I say that to you, you're going to run out the door. We're going to have a good time tonight. It's all right. You know what I mean? They're afraid you're going to run out the door and just ruin your life. And so they want to enslave you. No, 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 no. You got to do X. You got to do Y. You got to stop doing B. Don't, don't watch reality TV. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. The Bible is freedom, and that's not freedom. Amen? Amen? This is why Martin Luther said this. The devil is forever attracting people to good works. Let me just pause there for a second. That sounds strange, doesn't it? The devil is forever attracting people to do good things. Again, see, you think I'm strange. <laughs> Here's Martin Luther. The devil is always attracting people to good works to ensure that they never reach the point of thinking that they need the grace of Christ. The devil is doing it to you. You're preconditioned, as Emmett said, to think that you need to please somebody, that you need to be approved. And the devil is saying, that's right, you better be smarter, stronger, faster, better. Get her done. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do this. Jesus died for you, but you have to go halfway. Jesus plus something is really nothing. It's not, slave. it's not freedom, it's slavery. Jesus plus nothing is everything. And I mean every kind of freedom you can imagine. We just are in 10 verses in this book. <laughs> I'm hoping that we're going to have a freedom revolution. Freedom, my freedom. We have a freedom revolution up in this place. Because Paul ends this letter by saying this, it is for freedom that you have been set free. 